Welcome to the Parents Place podcast with Hillary and Jen. Welcome to our podcast today. We are excited to have you guys listening for this particular episode. I personally am thrilled because we have an incredibly special guest with us today. Um, Dr. Alan Hawkins is with us. And as I was trying to decide how to best introduce him for this episode, (laughs) honestly, I kept thinking to myself, the best way to describe Dr. Hawkins is he is a rock star when he cut, when it comes to the world of family life education, he has, has done so much, um, in regards to, to study and research and bettering our knowledge base that we have in this field. And, and to be honest with you, we could have asked him to talk about essentially anything. Um, but we have pinpointed one particular topic that we are going to spend our time at today. But before we do introduce that topic, I want to just turn the time over to him and let him introduce himself a little bit. And and if you don't mind, Dr. Hawkins, just kind of explaining where you're at and maybe what you have tend to what you tend to focus on in your field of study. Um, I think that our listeners would love to know a little bit more about you. All right. Uh, thanks, Hillary. Um, very kind, very generous. Um, I'm a professor of family life at Brigham Young University that's located in Provo, Utah. I've been here, um, I think I'm on my 33rd year, so a little bit of time. Um, My uh, PhD is from Penn State University in Human Development and Family Studies, and I've been studying um, fatherhood and marriage, um, you know, for, um, you know, getting, you know, more than three decades now. Um, and over the last 20 to 25 years, I've had a really applied focus on uh, relationship education and um, how, uh, how we can uh, be effective uh, at teaching uh, these pr- uh, principles that can um, help uh, couples to form and sustain uh, healthy relationships and uh, strong marriages. And uh, my research has been, you know, primarily focused on the effectiveness of these kinds of programs, and um, I have published a lot uh, in that area. I, um, you know, I don't. Uh, I do a little bit of, um, you know, hands-on family life education, relationship education on my own, and I teach my students to do it. But I'm more kind of the bird's eye uh, view, um, looking at. Um, overall, uh, its effectiveness. Um, so I'm not associated with any specific uh, program that people might know out there. I also have a little side interest in um, uh, in a topic I call uh, divorce ideation, uh, which is simply just um, thinking about divorce, people who have had some thoughts about divorce. Um, it's really curious. We haven't I mean, this is going to sound strange, but we haven't studied um, people who are thinking about divorce very much. We, we, we've studied divorce, um, um, but the process of thinking about it and making decisions is almost an empty set. And uh, I've been trying to do some work in that area, trying to understand um, uh, what people are thinking about when they're thinking about divorce. 
and um, which to me is also related to the primary interest of relationship education uh, and helping people you know, in uh, in that stage who really have some questions and concerns and struggles. Um, so that's my life uh, as a researcher. I, like I say, I'm an educator. I, I try to help students become um, good family life educators. And uh, I get an enormous amount of satisfaction um, from doing that. Well, I speak on behalf of both Jen and myself, as well as not only the educators at the family place, but also uh, family life educators as a whole. We're grateful that we have someone like you that, like I said, is not only steerheading the research, but helping us to know best practices so that we then can help our participants and our clientele to the best of our abilities. So we love that and we appreciate Great. that. Thanks. Um, so, so Dr. Hawkins, you mentioned that, um, and we'll get to some of the resources that you have provided in this area, but we kind of want to focus in on that particular topic of divorce and what you mentioned as no divorce ideation. So let's, let's start here because I think divorce is one of those topics that statistically speaking, uh, we tend to hear, we tend to hear the infamous statistics of you know, the 50% divorce rate. And, and quite honest, uh, to be quite honest with you, I've heard statistics saying that divorce is increasing. And I've also heard that divorce yeah. is decreasing, right? I've actually <laughs> just been doing some research in that area just the last few weeks. And um, with a colleague of mine here, who's very talented, uh, he's a, a demographer. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, there, there's kind of different narratives out there. One is that you know uh, divorce is is increasing and uh, out of hand and that sort of thing. The more common narrative these days is that um, divorce has been waning for decades. The divorce rate has been coming down, um, and uh, indeed, um, researchers, anyways, have pretty much accepted that narrative. And and frankly. There's not a lot of research going on uh, about, you know, focused on divorce um, these days, I think, because uh, what we see is that the divorce rate has been going down for about 40 years now. It's a, and the divorce rate itself is at its lowest point uh, in 50 years. Um, but that tells um, a story that I think is different from uh, what a lot of people are still seeing around them um, and uh, are having a hard time believing. So we actually, uh, instead of looking at the divorce rate, which is a technical term, that's the number of divorces per 1,000 married women in the population. It's some strange, you know, technical demographers um, kind of statistic. Uh, we went for the more um, just simple, easy to interpret, what proportion of first divorces end, or excuse me, what proportion of first marriages end in divorce? Um, you would be surprised how difficult it is to get that information. Our data collection on this uh, statewide and nationwide has been um, neglectful. Um, but using the best sources that we could, uh, we, start, we took a look at this and what we are finding among recent cohorts, so I'm not going to go back, you know, um, a generation, but uh, among those marrying here in the last 20 years, um, that yes, the divorce rate is going down, 
Um, but uh, the evidence we have is that every marrying cohort um, in the last 20 years is still crossing or will cross the 50% divorce threshold mm -hmm. within about 20 years. Okay. Uh, now, the most recently marrying folks are delaying that. Um, their marriages are lasting longer, um, you know, into that uh, third decade, but um, um, uh, still they cross that 50% um, threshold, um, usually within about 20 to 25 years. So they delay a little longer than um, uh, those uh, who married a little er um, you know, earlier in this century. Um, but it's really interesting that uh, if you think about that, there, there's a sort of psychological effect that that has that says, wow, my chances of, of, um, of staying married um, forever and ever, amen, is about 50-50. It's, it seems like a chance, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, flipping a coin. <laughs> like just flipping a coin. And psychologically, I think that's, that's hard. And unfortunately, it looks like we it, it, uh, the divorce rate has been going down, but it was sky high 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so it has been gradually coming down. But unfortunately, it looks like we are still crossing that threshold. And, and so I think I understand why people out there are saying, gee, marriage still seems pretty fragile uh, mm -hmm. and pretty much a coin toss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, can I ask, and this is completely, you know, a speculation, so obviously um, we can take our best guess, but you mentioned that that um, for many of these these individuals, it's a little bit older when they get to, or they've been in that marriage a little bit longer when they right. get to that point. Uh, do we notice as the, as to maybe a why that's happening, why it's, why the, I, that's happening at a, a later Time in yeah, marriage. that's the next step, and I'm, you know, I've been trying to uh, write up these results, but I'm, I'm kind of stuck there, and I've got to, I've got to think through that <laughs> more carefully. Um, why might um, marriages be lasting longer, but still um, yeah. at a significant risk uh, for ending? Um, you know, and I'm almost, uh, I almost don't want to speculate yet. Um, yeah. It may be, um, I'll just I'll put one thing out there. Uh, th there's no question that over this last generation, we have begun to expect more and more and more from our marriages. Mm. Um, uh, one, one colleague of mine you know, refers to, calls these you know, high altitude marriages. You know, it's just, um, um, we expect marriages to, to, to always be at the summit. And do everything for us. And it's hard to get to the summit, and it's actually hard to stay up there. And the air is a little bit thin. And <laughs> um, with such high expectations, it could very well be an issue of people um, as children uh, from the union are uh, beginning uh, to leave home there are thoughts that uh, maybe there's something better out there for me. So um, they believe that we know that this generation of parents are just, you know, they're so invested in their children. 
and kudos for them for you know um you know not divorcing when their kids were 13 because that's that's rough that's really rough on kids and i think uh children can handle it a little bit better um when that frontal cortex that prefrontal cortex is a little better formed in their 20s you know um but um so one speculation is they're waiting because uh, they don't want to expose their children um, to divorce and because they really don't feel like that relationship has measured up to that summit um, of marriage that they were expecting. Mm, okay, that's so interesting. And I can see that as you describe that because I think we have all heard of scenarios where we have a couple that you're right, they're staying together for the children. And as soon as the children are, are to an adult age, um, that tie that was kind of holding them together is essentially non-existent at that point. So yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah, so that's one possibility, but um, um, you know, I wanna think a little bit more about that and see if there's a little bit more research <laughs> uh, out on that. I mean, we do know um, that uh, the divorce rate actually has been going up a little bit for long-term marriages. We think, however, that that is primarily, um, excuse me, not uh, for long-term marriages, but for um, older adults. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we're not sure, but we actually think that those are, uh, for the most part, second marriages that are breaking up, not long-term first marriages. Um, I'm not sure that that rate has been going up, um, but, um, and it, that may be just a cohort. You're looking at my generation and those uh, right after, and we were the most divorcing generation in history. And it just may be that um, that we're looking at a strange, you know, a group of people, and that will calm <laughs> down um, in another decade or so. But um, yeah, it, um, uh, you know, getting into your 50s and 60s is not. Um, necessarily a time to sit back and say okay the um um nothing it, nothing's going to happen to my marriage now that, that that's not quite right yeah yeah so you have created this resource um for individuals and it's titled how or excuse me should i try to work it out uh speaking on behalf of a kind of this conundrum that many individuals um, are in when they're making that decision of staying yeah. or going. So talk to us about uh, that process that an individual goes through um, and, and kind of maybe the decisions they're making, maybe the mindset that they're in. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit, of, a little bit more about that. Yeah, and we didn't know, um, we still have a lot more to learn, but we didn't know very much at all until uh, I think some recent research some I've, that I've been involved in. Um, first of all, um, we know that thinking about divorce, what I call divorce ideation, um, it is common. Um, as we've looked at a, a large nationally representative sample on this question, uh, a little more than half have said that at some point during their marriage, they've had serious thoughts, serious challenges and had thoughts about divorce. And uh, we also asked it um, in, a, in a different way, we said, uh, how about in the last six months? And um, uh, about half of those, uh, or in other words, a quarter of married couples 
Um, and, uh, let me first clarify, we're, we're not looking at those couples. Uh, we, uh, we looked at couples between the ages of 25 and 50, um, that, that sort of prime uh, divorcing time. Uh, ha um, so a quarter of those have had some kinds of thoughts about divorce in the last six months. Um, you know, uh, uh, what that says to me is that um, thoughts about divorce are, are common. You know, what researchers will use the term normative. But yeah, um, that's out there. And most people at some point are going to uh, be in that situation. Um, and, um, but there's some, uh, there's some things about that that we've learned that I, I think are important for people to know. Uh, one is that uh, I, those thoughts don't have to be scary. For one thing, most of the people who have had thoughts about divorce, they've been uh, maybe what you would call just more episodic, more fleeting. Um, yeah, and my point is, is how, how can people not not think about divorce these days. You run into a problem and you can't not think about it. It's so there in our culture that if you, some, it'd be kind of strange in some ways. Are you that cut off from culture that it doesn't even cross your mind? Um, and so uh, for most people, those thoughts are kind of fleeting and frankly, to be expected. Um, but I don't think they have to be as scary. Another thing we've known is that um, um, th this notion that uh, people, you know, have some kind of blow up and um, and decide their marriage is over and they get divorced and, you know, all of that within a few months or a year, uh, it seems to be a bit of a myth. Our research suggests that people who have been thinking about divorce have been thinking about it for really quite some time, usually. Sometimes very gentle and episodic, but sometimes much more serious and ongoing. Um, but um, our research suggests that uh, people don't just um, get fed up with their marriage and they're gone. Um, these thoughts will linger uh, over time. Unfortunately, our research also suggests that people kind of struggle to know what to do about it. We asked them, by the way, uh, does your spouse know that you're thinking about divorce? And, um, and we got a lot of different answers. And, um, um, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, only about, you know, only about 40% of cases had they shared these thoughts with their spouse. Maybe one reason why they do is because they're not particularly serious, so they don't want to throw that out. Um, but um, a lot of times they're, they're kind of not sharing these thoughts with their spouse. We also know that um, they're not getting, uh, often not getting professional help. Uh, seeking a counselor or going to uh, a marriage enrichment seminar um, or something like that. Uh, their, their help seeking tends to be a little more private um, with, these, uh, with these questions and concerns uh, that they have. So anyway, um, thinking about divorce is pretty common. And, um, and it, it's something that... Um, uh, actually, we've also seen can change over time. So we followed them over a year period. And those who are thinking about divorce, um, about, I think it's about 30%, almost a third of them next year say they haven't had thoughts about divorce in the last year. Unfortunately, about the same number who hadn't thought about it a year before now say they've been thinking about it. So it's, it's pretty dynamic 
um, you know, these thoughts do come and go. Now that's not to downplay the seriousness. As with some people, they are really, really struggling. Um, though again, our research suggests that um, that's not something they rush to judgment on. They, um, they understand that feelings can go up and down. Um, and um, they're generally being, I think, pretty patient uh, with um, their concerns. So anyway, I think that's an important thing, um, some important things that we've learned about people who are thinking about it. And maybe the last thing is um, most people who have been thinking about divorce um, will report to us that they're struggling to get clarity. You know, what does this mean? What should I do? Um, that's, that's where uh, our work comes in, our, our, our efforts to try and help those um, people. Um, you know, it's really, you're really struggling to get clarity. Now, that shouldn't surprise us. Um, you know, these can be, uh, these thoughts can be really scary. Um, and then our lizard brain comes into, you know, play and we get really scared and our, and our, um, our rational thinking ability, um, you know, is diminished. And it, it, this can be really, really hard kinds of things. And our brain is just probably not functioning as, as well as it should be on one of the most important decisions that we would ever make in life. And so what we've done is, is trying to put together a help, a resource, a guidebook um, that actually just functions as uh, your external brain in some respects. Um, you've got a zillion questions, but your brain is struggling, you know, to deal with the emotional uh, upheaval that that creates. Um, so we've got uh, this guidebook with just dozens and dozens of, of questions that are in people's minds, and we try to provide you um, what, what the research uh, can help us understand and, um, I, and I think some reasonable thoughts about, you know, how to deal uh, with, with what you're thinking and, and your situation. Um, so anyway, that's what we've been trying to do uh, with our book. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, right at this moment, I, I am saying to myself, I need to get that. Like, I need to read that. That sounds so incredible. Well, well, um, so great, oh, wonderful. Um, now, I'll tell you, we just finished a revision process. So I think we published the last one in 2013. We felt like it needed to be freshened um, and updated and some a few, a few new things added. And so we just finished that manuscript and um, we'll go into production and hopefully um, that will be available in a few weeks. We will, um, we made the decision that um, we're going to self-publish this so that we can offer it as a free resource uh, for those uh, who want it. And, um, and, uh, and it should be up and available in a few weeks. And I'm, I can give you that, um, that website for people to download. If they want a hard copy, um, um, I can give them where they can go to um, get a hard copy printed and mailed to them for, I, I think it's about $10 or something. But for those who just want an electronic resource, um, that will be available soon. Perfect. And we will make sure that we provide all of that information Great. in our show notes for our listeners so that they know where to go to, to get this resource. Um, as you were talking, Alan, I am curious because I think so often, uh, first of all, let me backtrack. I love the fact that you are bringing up the point that 
many people have these thoughts and and to an extent they, they are normal it's normal to question certain things and i think that's something we've tried to bring up in this podcast is that mm -hmm. sometimes we have a hard time with our kids and sometimes we feel stressed out and sometimes we get burned out and and so just helping to normalize that parenting and marriage and family life in general can be difficult because i feel like so many people may have this um this thought in their head and think well something must be wrong with me yes the fact yes. that i'm thinking that right and so and, and i it appreciate can be really scary yeah. yeah 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 but you know and it's it's so trite but all good things are hard you know mm -hmm. um uh, to to be able to achieve good things just always requires uh, hard work and yeah. and uh and even the risk of failure um mm -hmm. You know, uh, it, it, these are not uh, these are not cheap. You know, families are not cheap. <laughs> and, I got, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, I, Jen. I got married later in life. I was 42, 43. We will celebrate six years in January. And, you know, I had always heard marriage is hard. <clears throat> you got to have communication. But until I said I do and right. we lived together for a bit, you know, I never knew how hard it would be and how important communication is, even on those days to where you may be thinking, did I make the right decision? But what I have found in my short six years, uh, five and a half years of being married is, you know what, I've got to work at this. It's just right. like any other decision that I have to work at. Right. Yep. And I think that's one of the very important meta messages that we provide uh, out there in our relationship education efforts is that, yeah, you've taken on something pretty challenging. And, you know, <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. But yeah, it's hard work. And and we do have to work at it. Um, you know, most people when um, and I think actually understand that, but our culture has sent so many other messages like, you know, that makes it seem like we're soulmates or uh, this is natural. It's, you know, being a mom is natural. Um, and I, you know, I just don't, it, if it was at one point, it ain't now, you know, it just, um, uh, this is, this is really hard stuff and society seems to be getting more and more complicated. And uh, so, you know, so uh, you, you take on, um, you know, uh, a really significant challenge um, mm -hmm. when when you decide that you want to do these things. And as you said, yeah, you got to work at it. I, I use the um, the uh, the analogy, not the analogy, the metaphor of uh, entropy that you learned in your physics class. You remember in your physics class that the state of the universe is is uh, is chaos. It's always falling apart unless there's some powerful force that's acting on things trying holding it together um and um that's where your marriage is headed if you just kind of um just uh, are not working on it it's headed toward it's it's entropy is going to eventually that you uh, send your marriage into chaos that's mm -hmm. just the state of the universe you gotta work you gotta put the energy into the system to keep the system ordered Mm -hmm. um and it's and it, it's just not natural and organic so yeah. now i will say i've been married now um um 45 years or something like that 
it only took me 35 to 40 years to kind of get to that place where I, you know, uh, I, I think we've put in a lot of energy and we're in a really good place. And it doesn't feel like I'm working hard. I still attend to things. I'm still, you know, I'm very conscious of things, but it, it doesn't feel so much like work to me. Mm -hmm. And I'll bet most people can do it in 25 to 30 years, not the <laughs> 35 to 40 that it took me, you know, so. So, Jen, we've got just a few more years that we've got. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot more than you do. <laughs> so, Alan, I'm curious because I think there's a lot of individuals. Um, and again, society has, has almost taught us that when we talk about marriage, we use that that infamous phrase, you know, for better or worse. And, right. and so we recognize that marriage is right. going to be hard and we're going to go through those difficult times. But I also... I think we also understand that there's a lot of individuals that are in that position where they're thinking, do I keep going in hopes right. that, that better comes? Or when do I know? Yeah. When do I know when it's time for me to essentially leave because of safety, because of the fact that I'm in an unhealthy state of mind, because the that my partner is unwilling to change? How does one differentiate between those two areas? In our guidebook, we try hard uh, to kind of um, surface uh, those kinds of things. So um, I, I, I think the reality is most people really, really want their marriage to work. They're not casual um, about this. They want it to work. Um, and they're willing to experience some pain um, uh, for a time, um, uh, you know, to, uh, to get through hard times and to make it work. But there really is a really hard question of when do I know? And while I don't have a definitive answer to that, we, we certainly will raise with them some of those issues that um, where a, a rational a kind of analysis of the situation is, is probably going to bring you to a conclusion um that uh, this isn't going to work and um uh, for safety uh, emotional and physical um safety reasons and 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 uh, perhaps some other reasons um uh, i do need to make the very hard decision uh, to divorce we also point out um you know that uh, divorce is uh, at times a very rational decision um about a situation i even think um that, uh, uh, that it's a moral decision. I think there are times when uh, people are acting in ways in marriage in which they're acting outside the moral boundaries of what you committed to do in that relationship. And if they're unwilling to change or unable to change in the case of like sometimes addictions and things of that nature, um, then uh, the moral choice is to say this, um, the reality is this isn't, um, this isn't a marriage, um, and uh, we need to recognize it uh, as such. Uh, and so we do try to help people understand those situations. Even though we do that, uh, the emotions can still just be overwhelming. And so I do think people need support systems and people around them who are helping them uh, kind of come to grips with what they are beginning to understand um, about the relationship. You know, we said this to our, our previous guest, but an ongoing trend in our podcast is recognizing uh, those people in our lives that can help out as additional resources. So I'm glad that you yeah. brought that up because I and, feel like that is addressed in almost every podcast episode we have, the importance yeah. of finding that support. 
if you haven't already, you should actually do a podcast with uh, Dr. Bill Doherty at the University of Minnesota or Dr. Steve Harris there. Um, they, they talk about how we can be supportive of people in these situations, but how we are often um, trying to be supportive, but are not very supportive. Um, there are ways uh, yeah, to be that support system uh, for those who are going through a very difficult decision time around the future of their marriage. Um, unfortunately, I think the research um, that Dr. Doherty has done tends to suggest that people are almost um, too quick to say, yeah, the guy's a jerk, you deserve better. Um, and frankly, that actually tends not to be very helpful to the person in need there who's trying to make a decision because they'll actually kind of fly to the defense of, mm -hmm. of that individual. There are ways that we can um, be supportive uh, that um, can respect um, the, the sacredness uh, of that relationship, but also uh, understand uh, the very real kinds of threats that can also exist uh, when when we're in unhealthy or just dead relationships. And that's another thing that we recognize is that um, sometimes you know, we make mistakes over time and don't correct them and we end up in a relationship that is just dead mm -hmm. and um, and you can't revive it. And um, yes, there were things you could have done 10 years ago and 20 years ago, and, um, but uh, not now. And we recognize that situation uh, as well. Um, so, uh, Dr. Hawkins, I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking about the times where um, my, my partner and I may be having a difficult time. And oftentimes during those stages, it's... Um, may not always necessarily be our interaction together, but it's external stresses that are also playing a role. So our, our marriage is, is straining, not just because of us, but because I'm having a rough time with my children and my job is a stress at this point. And I'm dealing with, you know, a, a friend's trauma. And there's these other external stressors that are playing a role. Yes. Um, do you provide any help for individuals to kind of help weed out, weed out yeah. those stressors to really focus in on what the potential problem is? We, we certainly do in the book, you know, talk about that that's a very common kind of experience. Uh, it's one that, uh, that my wife and I have, have gone through ourselves where just really difficult external circumstances uh, create a stressful life that just bleeds into uh, the marriage. And um, so we, uh, we do talk with them about uh, how common that is. And uh, we actually give them writing exercises, writing and think, thinking and writing exercises to do, to kind of, uh, you know, work through something. Where are your stresses coming from? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, are the problems uh, really a part of the relationship or, you know, if those stresses were to go away, would you become your natural, wonderful selves again? And, um, you know, and things would feel much better. Uh, it's really an important concept um, that uh, we do try to help uh, people understand and separate um, those um, external stressors from uh, those more internal relational uh, problems that exist. And and like I say, we do have some exercises for them to do to try and think through those kinds of things. 
Perfect. I love that. And I appreciate the fact that in this resource, you're you're using applications so that our your individuals that are, you know, reading this resource guide, they're actually implementing it and thinking about themselves in their particular situation. Yeah. And again, our theory for that is that it's really it's really possible for the stress and the emotions of that incredibly challenging decision to really overwhelm our our uh, rational thinking processes. So if we can give you the information in black and white right there um, and give you an opportunity, then think through some of these things and write down your answers. We're kind of helping your brain to re-engage uh, in uh, these issues and come to more clarity about what the right path is for you for this next month and this next year. And you mentioned as well too, and I think that this should probably be re-brought up, but for, for an individual that is um, using this guide as a reference, and like you said, coming to this clarity, uh, let's say that we have an individual that has um, gone through this resource and still at the end is thinking, well, I'm not quite sure. Um, what would be the next best step for them to go from there? Uh, and uh, let me clarify, I'm not a therapist and I don't play one on television and I don't try to be one on podcasts. Um, but as a general sort of educational rule, if if you've gone through all that and you don't have the clarity, uh, you know, uh, certainly one thing I would suggest is to to find, you know, a good uh, counselor, um, maybe maybe it's individually uh, to meet with. Um, and we actually give some uh, pretty clear instructions for how to find a good therapist, one that um, can work with you and both, you know, uh, help you with that decision, but also respect the marriage. Uh, one of the one of the things we know exists out there is that counselors often will go very quickly to a yeah, yeah, your marriage sucks. Um, let's let's shift to divorce counseling. Um, but one who will stay engaged uh, with you. Uh, on that um, on that very serious question, and uh, will probably help you look for what are those things maybe in your own life, in your own situation, um, in your own mind, your own heart that um, is keeping you from being able to trust a decision. Um, so it actually may be a situation where you want to explore why can't I what what's you know, there's there's probably something that's that that's holding me back. Now, as another principle, I'm, um, you know, uh, there are certainly safety issues uh, that that are a real concern, and you should attend to. And uh, you may need a support system, including a counselor, to help you see that and get yourself to a safer place. The re, um, the research suggests, though, that that's not the that's not the norm uh, in this situation. Uh, most of the time. Uh, you're in a situation where um, where you're safe, but you're just un unhappy. Uh, I don't think it's a bad strategy to say I haven't got clarity. Well, that means I need to keep kind of working on this and give yourself the space and the time. This is not a decision that you want to make. Um, um, you know uh, that you you want to just throw uh, darts at a dartboard. Um, uh, or just throw your hands up and say, well, okay, I guess that means I must, I must get a divorce. If I can't make a decision, it must mean that I've got a, a, a bad marriage. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, patience uh, can really work. 
Um, especially, and by the way, our research shows that this is fairly common, that people be, can have be having serious thoughts about divorce, but still call their marriage happy and be uh, relatively satisfied. Uh, I think our standards are incredibly high. I don't think that's a bad thing, but it's something we need to be aware of and, uh, and understand is that we can be happy and be in a good marriage and still be unsatisfied. Um, and still be having these kinds of thoughts. And if that's the situation um, and you're struggling to get clarity, I think um, what I, you know, one thing I would suggest, yeah, uh, uh, um, get some help, go to work. Um, you've probably got a good thing. You just probably need to fix a few things. Uh, needs a good tune up. Mm -hmm. um, you, and uh, uh, so go to work on the relationship. If you do that and you still find that it's it, it's not um, it's not good it's it's not working well then you're in a different situation. Yeah. I really like just the com the conversation of of working and trying to figure things out. I live in Layton and I work in Logan, <clears throat> so every day I drive home and I see this darn billboard that has two interlocking rings and it says "oops." I just saw that yesterday on my, I was up in Logan and I just saw that billboard yesterday. I had the exact same reaction to it. It's a divorce lawyer. Yeah. And I, I, if I almost turned around, went back and wrote down the phone number because I didn't get it and so that I could complain, but I yes. did. I think that every single time I drive by and I'm like, that is such a wrong um, billboard to be putting out there and that message of, it's just an oops. <laughs> yeah, it's an oops. We made a mistake. Now, mm -hmm. I will admit there are there is a small percentage of marriages that are oops. Mm -hmm. um, but for the vast majority of cases, uh, I, I don't think that's appropriate to say. Um, first of all, um, none of us are smart enough to make a brilliant decision um, <laughs> about who we marry and when we're married. We're not smart enough to do that. The reality is we find a good person and we make a commitment uh, to a process and to a relationship and and we work on it. And I, I think 90% of people, 95% of people in that situation, you know, they do those things. You, you can make it work. So oops is is the wrong um, is the wrong way to approach that. And yeah, yeah. that really rubbed me wrong, um, <laughs> you know, Janet, because uh, I I saw that for the first time yesterday. Yeah. After our podcast is over, we'll plan a time to go get <laughs> the billboard down. <laughs> I'll find it. Yeah. Um, and and the way they frame that with the, you know yeah the two interlocked rings um, that draws your attention and uh, uh, and uh, and turn that into the word oops that just oh uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Dr. Hawkins, as we are nearing the end of our time, um, let's go ahead and just review uh, where our listeners can get this resource, when it will become available, um, the audience that it's it's for. Give us just kind of a quick brief rundown of, of how to access this information. Okay. Um, we are going to post um, a PDF copy of the book uh, on a website called strongermarriage.org. Um, all one word, strongermarriage.org. 
um, and they will kind of be the host for it. Um, and not only will they over time, you know, um, just host a downloadable PDF, but uh, I think they're going to do some some blogs and kind of chunk the book up and into some smaller bites, uh, which I think will make it more accessible uh, for people. Um, uh, and uh, also there'll be a link there if people would actually, um, there are old fashioned people in the world still like me who like to, you know, to hold a book in front of them. And, and um, I still, I'm still in love with highlighters, yellow highlighters. So, um, for those who want to do that, they uh, can order it. The primary audience um, is really what we've been talking about. Those who at some point and at some level have been having some thoughts about divorce and have to face this question, should I keep trying uh, to work it out? And, um, and, and we think we've, we've covered um, a pretty full range of questions that go through people's minds. Um, plus some questions probably that should go through that maybe don't uh, sometimes. And um, that's the audience. Now, uh, if, if there's a secondary audience, it would be um, those who are trying to be that support system for friends or loved ones who are struggling uh, in that uh, divorce ideation space. Um, so what, what can they know uh, that then they could be a help and a resource uh, to those individuals. Um, one other audience that we, we've been talking about, I mean, it's not like we've been actively marketing, but uh, we think this is a wonderful resource, resource for marriage counselors out there um, uh, who could uh, make use of this and say, gee, you know, um, I think I could be even more effective helping you with this if you would kind of systematically go through these questions. Um, uh, especially if, you know, you've kind of made a commitment, we're going to work on, on uh, the relationship here. And um, I, so I think it could be a good counseling tool. Um, there are also relationship education classes that are focused on kind of couples in crisis who are, um, um, who have let it be known that, yes, uh, we're trying to decide whether or not uh, to stay married or get divorced. And we're in that kind of crisis decision-making time. Um, and there are wonderful educators and coaches, uh, maybe not coaches, but uh, relationship educators that want to give people a safe space for a weekend um, or for a few weeks um, to think about this and think about whether or not there's one more avenue that they haven't tried. Um, and so maybe it could be a, um, a resource uh, for those as well. I think those are the audiences that we are thinking about uh, for this book. I, <clears throat> go ahead, Hillary. I was just going to say thank you for doing that. And just as a reminder, we will include that link um, in our great. show notes so that our viewers um, will know where to go for that. Yeah, so thank great. you. Yeah. I just love that we were able to talk about this today and share some information for those of who may be thinking this to get them out of their reptilian brain <laughs> or lizard brain and kind of thinking things through. Um, I encourage people, I'm a huge advocate, of course, for education on any topic, but since my background's in family life, I really think that we don't have to be in a bad space to learn some information. 
And so huge advocate for education and appreciate you coming and, and sharing your book and offering it for free. Um, that is super awesome. And um, I know will be, will, will be really helpful for those who do read it. We appreciate you listening to us today. Remember to be kind to yourself and to others, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Parents Place podcast. If you would like to reach us, you can at parents at thefamilyplaceutah.org, or you can reach Jen on Facebook, Jen Daily The Family Place. Please check out our show notes for any additional information. Our website is thefamilyplaceutah.org if you're interested in any of our upcoming virtual classes. We'd love to see you there.